I hope you don't mind if I... Oh, you're still finishing. Or just starting. Okay. Well. That's okay. We can talk while we, when I go to a restaurant, you know, we're writing out checks and still talking, so we can do this. Um, thank you for, for your giving, for your praying, for your goodness to us. One of, the, one of the things we still don't know, as it was mentioned there, we, Pastor Jay, you guys gave very generously the last time I was here. When we first came, um, we had just said goodbye to Tanzania. Now we're saying goodbye, getting in the car and going to, driving to, to Chicago, New York and Nairobi. Well, we're not driving to Nairobi. We're going to fly from there. But, um, and uh, we, we are so thankful for your prayers, for your thoughts, for your um, giving in so many ways. Um, from the time when I was a student and uh, assistant pastor till now, you know, I, I only consider myself as extension staff of Bethel. I, uh, team is a program of Bethel Christian Fellowship. It's not some other group. And we're doing what, what you allow us to do. So we thank you for that. I, I was talking to uh, somebody from another mission organization, um, uh, and he, this is MAF, and he was saying that, he said, how much is your overhead? He said, you know, we have more people in the office in Europe who actually don't raise their support that we have to raise support for and, than, than are actually on the ground. And uh, he said, so what, how much overhead do you have to pay for your mission? How much of what the money that's given to you actually goes to the ministry and how much is for other stuff? And I said, well, um, postage stamps. And because Bethel covers Liz, <laughs> works hard on taking care of the finances and sending out the newsletters and more keeps track of things and other people give in different ways. And so thank you for all of that. Um, especially the prayer. We're running the prayer. Pick up a prayer card in the back and there's an email on it. Send us an email. We're moving more to, to email than newsletters. So uh, send us an email. We'll get you one picture and a couple paragraphs about what's going on. Every month we found we can keep up better that way than trying to do a real professional newsletter less often. So pick up a prayer card. Send us an email and tell, you, tell us you want that. Because I know sometimes it slips. The, the newsletter comes here and you never necessarily see it. But hopefully if it pops up in your inbox, you'll remember. So um, I hope you don't mind me uh, sharing personally today. Uh, I said today is goodbye for us. So I'm going to preach on goodbye, if that's all right. Because that's what I'm feeling. Um, my parents came down and my sister-in-law and my nieces and so we could say goodbye one more time. We have to say goodbye to you as our family body here. Um, and I know that goodbyes aren't only for us. It's a big part of mission life. But we all have goodbyes that we're saying. Some of you are sending your kids off to college. Some of you are saying goodbye to friends. Some of you are saying goodbye to maybe a work situation. Maybe a home that got foreclosed on. Maybe some, some comfort zone some friend, some something, there's some leaving, some letting go, some saying goodbye. So the question, I was glad um, Gene Swintoski was here in the uh, first service. I was glad to be able to 
say goodbye in Tanzania fast enough to get back here to say goodbye to Lee. And that was another kind of goodbye. As he was dying, Lorraine, if I can share, was just telling, I, asked, I said, where's Gordon? She said, he died a year ago. And my granddaughter died, 20-year-old granddaughter was at Bethel, died last year too. There's a lot of goodbyes, difficulties, hard things in life. We have a choice in life because we know goodbye is coming. What are we going to do until they go by? Our choice is, shall we pursue our own dream? Genesis 11 talks about the Tower of Babel. So forgive me if I go back to some scriptures I preached before I left um, several times, different, different times, because I'm feeling that again here. The... So, the Tower of Babel is a story about people building their own dream. It says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. And men, as men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar from water. Then they said, Come, let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now we know that the Lord came down and messed up their plan a little bit. They're, they're, they're building a tower all the way up to God so they, they can be in control of God and, and their own religion. And uh, God comes out and says, what are you guys doing? You're building something up to me? That's the picture we have here. It's actually a mocking of the Babylonian myths about how everyone is going to speak their language, worship their gods, do their thing, and that they were going to build this technological marvel. And they, they, they built these big ziggurats, these big pyramids, with a temple on top. That was an idolatrous way of trying to, well, this, is, this was a by us and for us thing. By us, for us, our name, we won't have to be scattered. It's a thing of pride. Look at our name. What we've done. It's a thing of comfort. We won't have to be scattered. We can stay in our comfort zone. We can be right here in the city where there's a power and electricity and water. <laughs> no, that's, um, maybe that wasn't happening then. But it can be where it's comfortable. They wanted to stay with people they knew where it was comfortable. But it's a thing of idolatry. Control. Let us do this. The kingdom of self. You know, ever since we're two years old, we're trying to be king, in charge, get everybody to serve us. You go, I'll see in a two and a half year old, usually. Two and a half, they figure out, hey, I'm a different person and I'm going to be in charge. And all our life, we're trying to live in the kingdom of self. When you do that, you end up in the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of society, of the world. Um, and you end up a slave. You know that? Slave to drink or work or something. Because when you're in charge, you're in Satan's kingdom and you just get bound up. The only hope is to enter the kingdom of God. Submit to God, submit to other people. But this is a kingdom of control. Me in charge. To control things, to make it comfortable, to make it safe, to make it okay. You flip a page and you get to a whole shift in Scripture. Up to 
Genesis 11, it's about what sin is doing. It started out with there was a great... God had created this wonderful world and there was just and loving relationships with God and with other people and with all the rest of creation. And then sin, rebellion. I want to be like God. I want to be king. And from there, the family falls apart. The relationships between Adam and Eve and the kids and they're killing each other. And then it goes on to society and Noah. And finally, in, in the Tower of Babel, we've actually got international relations messed up. And now... There's a new hope. God gives a new call. And his call is this. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Leave. Give it up. That's not easy. Especially when he says, I will show you. You remember the Beverly Hillbillies where they had all the stuff on the the track? Okay, Ma, we're moving. Okay, back it up. Where are we going? I don't know. (laughs) He said he'd show us. There's a lot of unknowns. Jan was just talking about some of the unknowns that just got answered recently. Um, But when there's unknowns, in your life, there's unknowns. The future tomorrow is unknown, even if you think you know it. We like to be in control, but it's unknown. What does he say? He says, notice he says, I will show you. The other one was, let us make, let us do it. It's all about me, right? He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make you your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That was the call. Did Abraham believe it? Did he trust God? Well, we know because he obeyed. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. He believed, he trusted God, and he left his comfort zone and he went to a new place. This is by God and for God. I will, I will, I will, I will. You know, God wants to bless you. He wants to make you a blessing. But you've got to let him. This is a different dream. This is leaving, releasing control, a new nation, a new kingdom of God. It's letting God do what He wants to do. So that we can... And you know, all the things that Abram left, he received. He was going to go and... I'm going to make your name great. Nobody's going to know who Terah, Abram, son of Terah is. Where, where you're going, but I'll make your name great. I'll give you an identity. I'll give you respect. Two billion people in the Christian world say Abram's their father. A billion people in the Muslim world do too. We won't even count the Jews. God did that for Abram. Now, if Abram had sat there in his comfort zone, we wouldn't even know his name. I'm guessing. God does what he wants to do. He'll get it done. You can be part of it or not. The children of Israel, what did they do? They followed God and then they got to the border of the promised land. God said, let's go. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go. This is the promised land. This is the good stuff I have for you. They said, but uh, there's giants. There's tough stuff. We can't do it. Okay. 
good to do the research. You can't do it. I can't do it. Jan and I always laugh when people come up to us and say, oh, I could never do what you're doing. I always say, are you scared of the dark? Uh, have panic attacks like me in a place that has like no electricity? How about planes? Jan doesn't like flying at all. It's hard to, it's hard to roll to Tanzania these days. Um, it's not about whether you can do it. You can't. The question Joshua and Caleb said is, is God with us? If God's with us, that's all that matters. Is God with us? First time I went to Tanzania 22 years ago, that really spoke to me. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. And you know what, though? Those guys chickened out. They said, no, they kept looking at themselves. And God said, fine, you want to stay in the desert? Stay in the desert. Forty years of futility. Are you following God's call or are you going around in circles? Well, maybe God will offer it to your kids. God gets his stuff done, whether you get in on it or not. God will fulfill his promise. This is by God and for God about leaving and about receiving. Abram received everything he needed. He had to trust that God was going to provide it. Not that he can control it, but that he was going to receive it from God. And it's about giving. I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. It's about letting go of control. It's about leaving, receiving, and giving what you've been given. But all that depends on one thing. Faith. The father of faith. We can choose eternal faith and growth and reunion. You know, I've got to go back to this. I just mentioned one, one, one sign my dad has in his office. We talked about how this Babylonian dream, how they're going to have all the, everybody's going to speak their language and do their thing. There's going to be a, a global world, actually, where everybody, you know, most Americans, they go someplace else, they speak English slowly and loudly because everyone in the world will speak it if you speak slowly enough. And those of you who are immigrants know what I'm talking about, too. Um, because we think it's about us, right? My dad has a sign in his office that says, God, Jesus saves from the American dream. And gives us his world dream. He's got a picture of the school in Kigoma. You know what? The American dream is a myth. It's a dead end. Jesus said, you save your life, you lose it. If you give your life for me and my kingdom, you'll save it. American dream is all about being in control and getting your life. I asked him what kind of comments he gets. He said, most people don't say much. They just... uh, Choose eternal faith, growth, reward, reunion. Hebrews 11, 8 to 16 says this. And I heard, Pastor Jim told me he heard this last Sunday. I decided not to listen. He told me that after I told him what I was going to preach on. I I decided not to listen to what he did because I figured if God needs to repeat it for you, you, you'll get the repeat. Um, He said, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He was going to a city that was a lot farther than he could see. He lived in tents, not a comfortable life. 
because he knew he was just passing through. Mom and dad are living in a 440-square-foot apartment because they said, we want to invest in where we're going. We don't want to spend our time and our money on where we're living. We want to invest in where we're going. Um, the, the, um, excuse me, I'm going to meddle a little bit. Um, let me say something first. Following God and God's call is not always about leaving. Sometimes it's about staying. Sometimes the pillar of fire stays right there. Once they got in the land, they had to possess it. They had to stay there. Once Abraham followed and got to the promised land, he had to stay there and persevere. He had to wait 25 years for that child to come along. 25 years. He's there. He says, okay, God, I'm here. I'm following your call. Now what? And God didn't answer right away. 25 years waiting. He said, you said a nation, God. How about one kid? Just a baby. Can't you do that? But God was doing something. He was building their character. He was doing something. So when they had the kid, they knew what to teach him. So God may be, you may be sitting someplace that's not comfortable. You may be called to something. You committed to something that's not comfortable. Stay with it. That's where God's called you. Go if God's called you someplace else. It's all about faith, though. It's all about trusting God. Um, do you trust me? I was just... Uh, this last week, a lot of this stuff wasn't happening. You know, it, uh, kids getting in school, a place to stay, provision for paying for different things. You know what? None of it was... I, basically, I was, sit, I was praying about this and... The word that came to my mind, I think God just said, do you trust me? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I said, the difficulty is the first time we went, it was really tough. Our sick kids were sick 40 times. We had a stillbirth. I started having panic attacks. We had a lot of difficulties. So you disappointed me, God. Okay. My expectations were wrong. I thought this was, it'll all be fine. There's never going to be any suffering. I, I forgot that stuff about take up your cross and follow me. And you know what? It's been fine. Our first term was about perseverance. You all prayed perseverance into us. We stayed. Somehow. Then we got peace the second term. And then we got joy and fruitfulness and expansion in the ministry. Last term we did some research and some transition and I don't know what's next. I don't know. It's unknown. What's ahead? Do you trust me if you don't know? Can you trust God if you don't know? If you don't know what's around the bend? If he just says go and you don't know where? If he just says stay and you don't know how? Do you trust me enough to obey me, to follow me, to stay? To go. Do you trust me to protect and provide, to curse those who curse you and bless those who bless you? Do you, I mean, that robbery is not a great place to be necessarily all the time. You heard about the difficulties that they happened with some 
near civil war in the beginning of the year, there's some things to think about. There's some things that you're worried about. Is God going to protect you? Is he going to provide? Um, okay, I said I was going to meddle. I might as well meddle here. John, um, we were taking a class on missions and money together with John. And he brought this scripture to me and I said, uh, I said, he, he, he read the scripture. Then the next day I said, John, do you think I need to apply that as my pastor? Tell me the truth. He said, yeah, as your pastor, you do. So this is for me, but maybe you'll, you'll hear something. Um, first of all, let me read it. First, first Timothy 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm talking about one of the ways we really like to control, especially in America, but everywhere. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Let me back up. For there's people who have been robbed of the truth who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. You know, we like to control God. We like to build our towers. When it comes to prosperity, to healing, to whatever, we either want to not pray or else pray guaranteed. If I pray... In Jesus' name, it's got to happen. Who's in charge? I am. I'm just putting my coin in the candy machine and I'm getting my healing, my blessing, my... Or the other option is, I don't want to put God on the spot, I don't want to put myself on the spot, so God bless the surgeon's hands and help them all and give good medical care. And That's not faith. Just ask. Jesus heal. Then leave it to Him. He knows what to do. Or do you trust Him to really leave it to Him? You know, believing in Jesus, even for healing, we often talk about, do you believe? Do you have faith? Is it really faith on the outcome? I believe that Jesus will heal me? Or I believe Jesus? If He heals me or if He doesn't. You know, I believe Jan's going to give me food. I trust that when I come home, there's going to be supper on the table. Now, if there's not supper on the table, I believe she's got a good reason to not put supper on the table. God gives us health every day. God gives us blessings every day. God provides for us in every way. If something doesn't happen one day, I, I believe she's got a good reason. Maybe we're going to go out to eat. Maybe she thinks I need to fast. I don't know, but she's never done that to me. But uh, I trust her. It's about trusting her. Not necessarily trusting the outcome. Okay? If we believe Jesus, we trust that what He gives us is good. Even when we pray for daily bread and He gives us a stone, and the next day a stone, and the next day a stone, for 40 days. Can you still believe God? Trust? Like Jesus did in that temptation? To not control? Okay, do you trust me to perfect? Do you trust me to give, to care for your children? Abraham waited to have kids. Then Abraham waited to... He got, a, he got his precious child at the beginning of this nation and God said, give him back to me. Kill him. Uh, excuse me? He got clear. That's what God really wanted. And he was ready to sacrifice Isaac. Are you controlling your kids? Are you ready to let them go? Give them up. Give them to God. Do you trust God to take care of your kids? To put them through good stuff or bad stuff, but to take care of them? To give health, 
to give life, to fulfill your purpose and your destiny, give you a name, give you respect, do what you want, what God wants to be done in your life? Here's the real question. Who's in control? Now, there's a lot of people for whom those people are in control. You listen to them, they'll say, oh, well, you know, the government, oh, my job, oh, my, my, spouse, my husband, my wife, my kids, my... It's all out there. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People says, be proactive. He says, you do that, it's all out there, then that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You've got to focus on what you can do in order to get that bigger and bigger. But sometimes it can be about who's in control? Me. So we switch from that person, that person, that person to I got it. I'm in control. And this is what, when we're successful, we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to have our paycheck figured out, our insurance figured out, our kids in the right school, our everything's supposed to be in control. But that's not the gospel. It's the American dream, maybe, but it's not the gospel. The gospel is, you're in control, Jesus. I trust you. You're in control. I leave it. I receive it. I give it. You're in control. I'd like to be in control. <laughs> We've gone around different people, different, uh, different, and you know, I hear people's stories and the, the pain that they're in, and I'd like to help. But I can't. I can't be in control of that. I gotta let that go, and I gotta let God deal with that, with other people, with me. I can't even control me. You know that? I was talking after after a discussion like this, and somebody said, "You know, I don't think um, we can change other people." And then I came to the Perry's house, and he said the same thing, same day. I thought, hmm, that's true. He said, "I don't even think we can change ourselves." I think we can be changed if we let God change us. But changing yourself, you ever try to do that? Even getting over your temptations. Conquering those sins. Doesn't work. Let go. Let God. Give it up. Let God do it. This is what Jesus said. The question is, when you go into that promised land, who's going to be? When you face those giants, who's with you? It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I will be with you always. Now, if you're not making disciples, if you're not following, I don't know. But if you're following, he says he'll be with you. If you follow him... now. Here is Jesus saying goodbye. Right? And if you look at Luke, you guys have looked at Luke, so I don't have to even go there because I know you did how many years on Luke. But um, in Luke, Jesus says, he gets to this place in Luke 4, and he says, they come to him and say, hey, this is great, things are going well. And he says, I got to leave. I got to go to other towns also because that's why I was called. Jesus spent time listening to the Father. So he knew what he needed to do. He knew what his calling was. So he followed. And he, then he called other people. He called the disciples. He said, come and follow me. Peter left 
Everything, his business, his family followed Jesus. Then he, he says, we're going to the cross. Peter says, whoa, wait a second. I thought we were going to some palaces or something here. We're going to the cross. We're going to Jerusalem where I'm going to die. And it's, it's all this, this travel to Jerusalem. In Acts, the same thing happens. Paul is going to Jerusalem. People say, no, you're going to get thrown in prison. The bad things are going to happen. He says, so? Jesus is with me. <laughs> I'm going. And God knows all about that. So they're going to suffer. Now when you get to Acts, Acts 1, God says goodbye. He says, Go make disciples of all nations. He says, be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the outermost parts of the world. You notice he said and? He didn't say then. People always tell me, we've got lots of things to do here. Why don't we finish St. Paul and then we'll think about someplace else? Uh-uh. We do it all at the same time. And you know what? Jerusalem is not a comfort zone. Because just a little bit later, the angel comes. says, why are you looking in the sky? He's coming back. But you know what he says? He says, men of Galilee. He says it twice. Men of Galilee. Why did he say that? Because they're foreigners. They're from out of town. They left their comfort zone three years ago. So if you're wanting to stay in Jerusalem, remember that Jerusalem is where the cross is. <laughs> there is no comfort zone in the Christian life, folks. No option. You're following Jesus. You're following him into a war. You're following him into a cross. Take up your cross and follow. If you want the cushy life, you can try the kingdom of self, Satan, society. Just, just a hint. It starts out looking good, and then it gets narrow and crushing. This is a narrow road, but man, where it is going, folks, we came back after our first term. <clears throat> Pastor Jim, we were sitting right over there. Pastor Jim preached a sermon about somebody came home from Africa and nobody welcomed them and nobody cared. And he said, God, was this a, 40 years of service and this is all I get? And the guy said, you're not home yet. God said to him, you're not home yet. Your home is not here. It's a city with foundations. Foundations that don't crumble. That's forever. This is just the womb experience. This is just gestation. Okay? We are getting ready for a real work. Our real job. Um, when Jesus came to the table, He said, I want to do this with you before I suffered. He had a last supper with His disciples. This was our Last communion. This may be the last one we have together. We don't know. I don't know when. What's up tomorrow? Yesterday. <clears throat> um, well, let me go back. To last term, when we left three years ago, I went to the hospital and, and spent some time with Anita Middleton. How many of you would remember the Middletons? They were in this church for ten years, but it's been a while. Um, that's the last time I saw her. I didn't see your husband, Len, because that was, uh, he died also in the last three years. Um, they, now, how I know them, they came to our church in Cloquet, and I got to know especially their son, Paul, who was a little bit younger than me, but my best friend for 35 years. We've been very close, and after he moved down here, we used to you know, read some scripture together and challenge each other in Bible quiz and 
we, we kept up. I came to this church partially because he was in this church. And um, last, time I, last time I saw him a few weeks ago, he was um, having some back pains. Thursday, this week, he went and had an MRI. They said there's a tumor. Friday, they said it's cancer. Monday, he goes in to find out exactly what kind. We have a bone marrow, but it looks like a blood cancer, probably multiple myeloma. So I sat with him. We went out to eat. We had a last supper, maybe. <clears throat> but he knows where he's going. He's got some questions to answer. What about my kids? They're 6 to 16. He's got four kids. Who's going to take care of my kids? I shared with him what God's been telling me. Do you trust me? He said, yeah. I'll have to trust God with my kids. Maybe God will heal him. Oops. Maybe he won't. Maybe I'll never see him again. Jan mentioned that the pain that we feel in goodbye is a part of the love that God's given us. It was a blessing. Excuse me. Um, but I don't know if I'll see you either. <laughs> he, was, he was talking about, you know, have I, have I done, have I, is my life really significant? Have I done what God wanted me to do? Have you? He was saying, do I trust God to take care of my kids? That's, I asked him, do you, do, you trust, do you trust me? He does. There's a lot of questions. We don't know what's next. But we do have a choice. We don't really have a choice to control. But we can choose to try to control. And then what does Jesus say? He wants to save his life, will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. We're just talking about stuff. We, we've been figuring out, packing, sorting, figuring out how we can get stuff in Kenya, in Nairobi. We know that's where, the, that's where we need our stuff. You know what? The stuff you're having here, you're not going to get to keep. The stuff you give away, you can have a treasure ahead. Give up control of your stuff, of your relationships, of your whatever it is. Um, Jan mentioned, we say, with blessing, I will bless you, Jesus said. God said to Abram, Baki Salama, remain in peace. That's what we say in Tanzania, Swahili, when we say goodbye. I didn't know what goodbye meant, but this week I looked it up. It's an alteration of God be with you. God be with you. May God be with you. But God's going to be with you when you're with Him. And He's going. (laughs) Out of your comfort zone. Um, When we come to suffering, Isaiah Majakdao, who's a Sudanese looking at the two million people who died there, including his brother and other people, he, he says, you know, theology, even scripture, doesn't have an answer for suffering. For why? He says, basically, Jesus with us is the answer. Jesus is the answer. 
Okay? Not that the phrase is an answer. Jesus with us. Like we talked about here, he says, Jesus with us in the cross. He knows everything, all the difficulties, every problem you're having, he knows about it. He's felt it. He's suffered it for you. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that we never have to say that, even if we feel it. God's always with us. The cross. Character. When we follow Jesus, we become like Jesus. That's the promise of Scripture. You know what, though? I, I wish we could follow Jesus, but not all those places he goes, you know? with those people and through those tough things. And... But when people tried to follow Jesus, he said, okay, i got no place to lay my head. i got no... What? You ready to follow me? Let's go. But when we follow him through the tough things, some things you're going to choose, some things you're not going to choose. When we follow him, we become like him. We get new DNA for where we're going, who we're going to be forever. And the job we're going to have to do there and the relationships we're going to have there and the love we get to have there. And there's a community. Jesus is with us in us, through us. We can be Jesus to somebody else and they can be Jesus to us because Jesus is in them. We are the body of Christ. And the best thing, Jesus is coming back. You know, people say, how come there, if God loves us and God um, has all power, how come there's evil? Put it in a time perspective. God's going to take care of it. God is powerful enough, loving enough, He's going to take care of it, do away with it. It's all going to be done. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Him. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So boldly run the race till we see him. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who went through the cross for the joy set before him. He's been there, he's done it, and he's saying, come on, let's go. I'll be with you. I'll run with you. Are you okay if that's all you know? That Jesus is with you? You know that that's enough? I read to Paul a scripture that, uh, or I mentioned a scripture that he showed me years ago. For my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So I'll gladly boast in insults and persecutions and difficulties so that his power can be known. You know what? We all want to see our power. Our control. But we're never going to see that. We're never going to see His power until we're weak. And we are weak. Let's just admit it so that we can see His power. We're not in control, so let's just give up and let Him be in control. Let's pray. I want you as we're praying, pray with your eyes open. Put your hands out. And in your hands, I want you to think about something. 
some comfort zone, some relationship, some thing, someone that you would like to control, that you'd like to hang on to, that's precious to you. And I don't know if you're doing this or you're doing this. But close your hands. Say, I'd like to cling. I'd like to control this. But Jesus, I leave it to you. Open your hands up. Say, I leave it. I let it go. I'm not dropping it. But I let it go. I open my hands for you to be in control. I leave it and I'm with open hands I receive what you give me. Instead, or for that relationship, I, or whatever it is, I leave it and I receive what you have for me and I open my hands to give to those who need to receive what you've given me. I open my hands to receive your blessings and to give, to be a blessing. Jesus, Jesus, we just want to say yes to you. We just want to give up our control. We want to enter into your kingdom. We want to say yes. Uh, let me just tell you a little story. I met with... Pastor Lloyd Jacobson, who some of you old-timers like me would remember was our pastor for 17 years here. I said, what's the best thing you ever did in your ministry? He said, well, I didn't, something probably I didn't really do, but he said, when I was a young person and I just felt the, pre, the, the heaviness of God's holiness and I came and I fell on my face and I just, it was just overwhelmed by that. And I, and I tried to say thank you, I tried to praise, I tried to Confessed, I tried to do something, and I could, none of it seemed right. Finally, I just said yes. And that seemed right, so I said yes to this, and yes to that, and yes to this. He said, that yes has stayed with me. When it was time to leave Bethel and go to San Francisco, and I didn't want to go to San Francisco, I said, I already said yes. When I was 16 myself, I wrote, well, somebody challenged us, write a blank check to God. Tell him, you can do whatever you want with my life, wherever, whatever. I didn't do it for several weeks. And then one night at home, I, I was praying. I said, God, you know more than I do. <laughs> Why should I hold on to this? Let me write a check, a blank check for you to fill out whatever you want in that. Give it to you and let you. So then when it comes to these decisions, like, am I going to go to a country? And, oh, okay. <laughs> what are you asking? <laughs> I want to say no, but let me hear what you're saying. He's saying go. I say gulp. Yes. Okay. Are you going with me? Okay. Yes. Let's go. Are you going to be with me here? Okay, I'm staying. Jesus, we're so weak. We so want to control ourselves and our lives and the lives around us. But we release control to you. We enter into your kingdom. We say yes. Yes. Say that now. Just say yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. I'll go where you want me to go. 
Yes, Jesus, I'll stay where you want me to stay. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We know you're good. We know you love us. We know you want to glorify your name. You want to use us to bless others. You want to bless us. You want to give us joy forever. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. For our own lives, for the lives of those we love, we trust you. We're going to follow you. We're going to obey you. Why don't you stand up and just sing with the worship team. If you want to come to the front, pray through this some more. Welcome. There are others who will pray with you. If you are...